I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, everybody. We're back. Season 2, Episode 4 of Biscuits Colon, a hockey podcast that also has a Twitter account now. That's right, folks. At Vice Biscuits. So you can go there and ask all the questions you want. We'll see them. We'll answer them probably at the end of an episode because we're starting on time today. You're going to get a full hour of us. And us is uh, me. I'm Dave. Dave Lozo of Vice Sports and some other stuff, too. And hello, Ottawa. Hello, Brooklyn. It's uh, Sean Magnew uh, of uh, Vice Sports and Sportsnet and various other places. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm here from the Vice Sports studios <laughs> in my dining room in Ottawa. Oh, it's the dining room. I thought it was the kitchen table. I, cause I, I always thought I could hear your microwave in the background when like somebody came in and like made coffee in the morning. That's the, that's no, the living this room. Is, it's, it's, the, it's the dining room. The kitchen is like eight feet to my right. So we could do, I mean, we could do like a special episode for my kitchen sometime. Yeah. Like during sweep, during sweeps week, we'll do like that. the way like Conan goes to like Chicago for a week. We'll just go to your kitchen right. for one episode. That'll bring in the ratings for sure. <laughs> so what do you want to talk about today? What do you want to do? What do you want to do with this full hour we have to play with today? What do you, what's it's, on your mind? What are you, what are you feeling? You know what? It's, 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 uh, it, there's a few different places we can go because we've got the, this NHL season is so weird. You've still got. I would say 31 teams, I would say about a third of those teams, we still can't talk about because they don't make any sense. And anything we say about them is just going to turn out to be wrong. Well, uh, that's probably true got anyway, th- no matter who we talk about. But that's yeah. probably, but, but like, especially yeah, really wrong. wrong. You know, like, I, I don't want to talk about the Devils. I don't want to, I'm still not on the Golden Knights. I'm going to ride that all. It's going to be the last weekend of the season and they're going to have 115 <laughs> points and no what's going to happen is, is they're going to have like 94 and then they're going to lose their last game of the year and just miss the playoffs and then we're going to be like ha told you so told you they weren't a playoff team Called it all the way <laughs> uh and then you've got like a third of the teams that are doing like that are doing well maybe even better than expected and then you got a third of the teams that are just heading towards disaster uh and we love disaster around here, so. And that's yeah, that's kind of that's that's sort of where, where where I want to head. But I, I think we should maybe start with one team that kind of is all three of those groups at any given moment, depending on the results of their last game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the Montreal Canadiens. Oh, they're back! Who, they're back! They're the best yeah, team in I, hockey. 
a week ago were a, a total disaster, ready to fire everyone and or rebuild the entire roster except for Shea Weber for some reason. And since then, Carey Price comes back. Carey Price actually looks like Carey Price and not whatever he was the first month of the season. And it's two straight wins, and they are now, I believe, two points out of a playoff spot. Yep. The only question that remains for me right now is how many games do they win the Stanley Cup in? Is it five or six? Because it's over. They've, they're clearly, with Carey Price, they're a 140-point team. It's, there's, there's no stopping them at this point. They're a juggernaut all of a sudden. So yeah. it's, uh, yeah. I, it's weird how that works. Man, I, I, I mean, I can't figure them out, but maybe there isn't really anything to figure out. Maybe it's just as simple as saying, if Carey Price is playing as well as he can play, which is to say he is the best goaltender in the league, then they're going to be fine. And if he's not that, then they're in trouble, which we saw earlier in the year. And then obviously if he's hurt, uh, then then that's a, a different issue altogether. But uh, yeah, it, it feels like, I don't want to say it feels like they've sounded the all clear in Montreal because that that's never how it, it works in that town. It, it, it They're only one bad period away from from resuming crisis mode, but it feels like it's been temporarily suspended at least for now so as somebody who lives down here in the in the brooklyn hoboken new jersey area i get to see the devils and rangers a lot and it just seems like when you have a team that's built around a goalie and Corey schneider doesn't make henrik lundquist money and gary price obviously still isn't on his contract yet but when you basically have to rely on a seven eight nine ten million dollar goalie it seems like the team in front of that goalie is never really as good as it could be because you're spending so much money on the goalie and nothing really changes in terms of your team other than you now have a guy that can stop 32 out of 34 as opposed to a guy who's going to stop 30 out of 34 and that makes everything look better. Like the Rangers for the first month of the season were terrible. Then Henrik Lundqvist was like, you know what? I'm I'm going to play at 965 for like 3 weeks and we'll see how that works out. And they go 11 and 3 in their last 14. The Devils are the same sort of way. Like they're getting outshot, outchanced, but Corey Schneider, he makes everything look better. So when Carey Price is playing, Montreal's going to win more games. Are they a better team? I don't know if they're a better team, but they're built to win to have Carey Price carry them while they do it. While it just seems like the really good teams in the NHL don't have to do that. If you're Tampa, for instance, you know, you can, you can get by with Andre Vasilevsky making, you know, peanuts compared to those other guys. And the team in front of him is insanely good. And Vasilevsky is good too, but it's just, you don't have to rely on him every single night to win. Same thing with Pittsburgh in a way too, where when Matt Murray isn't getting, you know, Chris Kreidered by Jake Voracek and he's in there and he's usually pretty good. He hasn't been great this year, but he, they proved last year, if you have a great team in front of your goalie, the, the team is always going to look better that way when your goalie's not saving you every night but that's not Montreal so as long as Carey Price's knees and groins and stuff are all intact Montreal can can be a playoff team every year the NHL is so weird because you need very good goaltending to win but you don't need necessarily a very good goaltender to get very good goaltending exactly exactly like and you don't need it to be nine million dollars either yeah and and that's the the thing with Montreal you got to remember with Carey Price like that contract that he signed the 10 and a half million dollar cap hit deal like that hasn't even kicked in yet 
that doesn't start until next year. So he's still on the last year of his old deal. And, you know, it, it's it's only been two games since he came back. But I know there was a lot of uh, panic might be a strong word, but it might not where you're, you're suddenly, you know, when, during the summer, everyone was like, you got to sign Carey Price. And when he signed the deal, the reaction was generally kind of like, well, that's steep, but that's that's what you got to pay for the best goalie in the world. And then he gets off to this terrible start. He gets hurt again. And people are like, wait a second. Did we just give an injury-prone goalie on the wrong side of 30 a $10-plus million cap hit for eight years that, that doesn't even start until next year? And there was a sort of sudden feeling. And I mean, we talked about it last week, right? With the the hypothetical of would you would you bail on that deal if he could? Instantly. Uh, and but but now he you know he comes back and you know to let's let's keep some perspective. I mean, he had a shutout in his first game, but it, it was against the Buffalo Sabers. So you know, yeah, it, it's that that doesn't Sabres. that doesn't really count. It, it was against Sabers, and he needed a like a a, a weird phantom goaltender interference call with 30 seconds left where the Sabres Sabres scored. The game was over, but the league still figured they would do a five minute review. <laughs> um, actually. Yeah. When you put it like that, actually Carey price still stinks. Montreal is terrible. I didn't really, it was good. He was good against the, the Blue Jackets are a real team. The Blue Jackets had, had been on, on, on a streak. So, I mean, that, that feels like a real win. And now, you know, it gets interesting for Montreal because now they go in their their next game is against uh, the Ottawa Senators, who are uh, also struggling badly right now. Uh, so yeah, we should um we should congratulate Matthew Shane on his first point with the Ottawa Senators in his eighth game. So I want to just congratulate Matthew go. Shane and the Ottawa Senators on on winning the trade with that goal. Um, not, not only his first point, but also his first game where he was not a minus. Yeah, I'm not a big plus minus guy, obviously, but like when I was, I I, I did I did a tweet joke that made people mad because I was like Matthew Shane, they won the trade because he had no points in seven games. But I did notice when I was screenshotting that like every game yeah. he's a minus. That's yeah. insane. Plus That's hard to not do. Not a good stat, but when you're, it's it's yeah tough to 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 put up a minus every single game in a league where you know the other team is getting like two or three goals. But yeah, Ottawa is. Ottawa, so I mean, it's it's one of those situations, right? Ottawa is is struggling now. They've lost six straight, and yet if they come in and beat Montreal, then we go, okay, the Senators are fixed, and we're right back to to panicking about the Canadians. So that's, I, I mean, that's going to be a an interesting one to watch because, uh, yeah, there's there's a few different directions where that can go, and and you know, by the same token, Montreal wins that game. Now, you know, maybe just everyone who all that panic and uh, uh, that was floating over Montreal like a cloud just moves two hours west and lands on top of lands on top of Ottawa, or maybe not. I've been told by Senator fans that it is too early and we should all stop being negative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if, we're, if they were if they were six and one since the trade, it would be like, see, told you guys, Matt Duchesne's injecting life into this team, but no, he's he's really not. Oh, people but are like, the, oh, it's the, only eight games. It's like, hey, you know, that's 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 a tenth of the season. season. Like that's yeah. it's, it's, <laughs> it's a lot of games. It's not a lot of games, but it's it's kind of you know you don't have that many to work with. But yeah, we'll at some point Matt Duchesne's going to have like a four point night, and then everyone's it'll all be, be fine. Like, see, there you go. All right. 
Uh, but I'm I'm here for the jokes, and there are there are a lot of jokes to be had when a guy's minus fourteen through seven games and has no points. That's that's funny to me. But like when he has when he has yeah when he's like fourteen games and he has seven points. All right, fine, whatever. I got my jokes, and that's all I wanted to do. Yeah. But for for but it's funny too. Like early in the season. Not even early in the season. Like we all know that regular season doesn't mean anything. It's stupid. It doesn't. It's it's the longest ever. Like Ottawa, like the year of Andrew Hammond. Um, you know they were they were like what fourteen points out with like forty games to go, and Andrew Hammond was like, I got this. Like th- their season is endless. Like we're in game twenty five or twenty six for a lot of teams, and it's just man, got to win this game tonight. Eh, you really don't. You, you can get a, you can get a point and lose. It's fine. You know you lose three two, whatever. It's fine. But. The thing I think that keeps Montreal as a city going is the fact that their favorite team, the Nashville Predators, have been so good since the trade. And <laughs> PK Subban's winning games, and Kyle Terrace is winning games. So I, I think that keeps I think that keeps Shea Subban, uh, um, Trey Jolie, as as I like to say. Very good. Yeah, merci. Yeah, no, that is uh, the the predator. Man, the the whole the central is kind of back to being. It's good. The scary division, right? Because yeah. I mean, it, like the Predators, as good as they've been, they're they're still only sitting in third place, and and you know, not only are they sitting in third place, but they're you know, there's still Chicago behind them. There's still you know Dallas that most of us thought were going to be good this year. Minnesota seemed like they they had a shot at being being good, and instead, it's you know, you get St. Louis and Winnipeg leading the the pack. I mean that. It, we we could be back to the way it was for the first few years before last year, where the central is the five playoff team, and the Pacific just kind of sends three. I think that's going to be the case mostly can. because the the Pacific's just so bad, and I mean Vegas is still leading the division. Like that's as, as Vegas has been better than than I mean like Vegas isn't as fluky as it seems. Like yeah, it's weird that like William Carlson has twelve goals or whatever he has, but that. That happens in expansion years where you get these guys who played minimal roles on their good teams and they go to an expansion team and they get moved up in the lineup, they play bigger minutes, they play power play more, and then they get it's goals. The, but the Bob Kadelski effect. What's it what the what effect? The, the Bob Kadelski effect. That was Oh, was he like a, was he like super good in his first year of the Ottawa or yeah, something? Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, but you're right. Like, but but yeah, Vegas is like I mean, you, you keep wanting to look into the numbers and be like, look, I mean, this is clearly fake. They're getting crazy percentages or whatever. They're, they're not. And even when you watch them, yeah. you know, like if you, if you had never watched the NHL before and you just sat down and watch a Vegas game, you're like, one of these teams is brand new. Uh, it shouldn't be very good. I, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to tell that they're, they're fast. And uh, uh, they've had some games, like some real strong games. So, I mean, like I, I'm willing to say that they're, they're for real in terms of what they've done over the first quarter of the season, especially given the the goaltending situation. I, I'm just not buying in and, and ready to like, you know, like you see people putting out power rankings or the Knights are like in the top three. And it's yeah, like, come on, they're, that's 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 they're good. They're they're better. They're good. They're they're not terrible. They're, again, they're by far the best expansion team ever. But uh, I, like, so so here's here's the Vegas thing is. Yeah, they've been they've been getting by with like fourth string and fifth string and third string goaltenders. I don't know what the situation with Flurry is, but if if he ever comes back, like I don't know where they are in terms of what they need to average for points per game the rest of the way. I don't know if they can be like an eighty two point team the rest of the way and still, you know, hit the number they need to to get in the get in the playoffs. But 
the Pacific's bad. Three teams have to go. They've banked a ton of points in the early going of the season. And the, the one thing I seem to that seems to become a thing now is you you can not necessarily be like a like I don't want to say a good team, but if you're fast, that really cancels out a lot of your flaws, I think, maybe defensively. Not that Vegas has tons of flaws defensively, but again, going back to the Devils, the Devils are getting outchanced, out coursey like crazy. The Rangers are kind of in the same boat, but Vegas is not really in that boat. They're 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 doing pretty well at five on five. But when you have a bunch of guys that can skate, I really think that offsets a lot of stuff that you may find in terms of playing against teams that have better structure and all that stuff. If you have speed and you can knife through it, you're going to win games. But yeah, it just the, the thing that's crazy about Vegas is they're doing it with with third and fourth string goaltenders. That's that's the thing that's so weird about it. So if they can just get regular average goaltending the rest of the way from Subban and or Flurry. I would not mind going back out to Vegas for a playoff game if anyone from Vice is listening to this. I'm happy to do it. That that would be all right. Yeah, and, you should yeah, come. The other the other crazy thing about uh, about the the Knights is like you know normally th- we'd be looking back and going, well, clearly George McPhee did an amazing job with the expansion draft. But like their whole thing with the expansion draft was they loaded up on all these defensemen so that they could trade yeah. them, and they <laughs> hadn't been work. able to trade any of them. So they got all these guys around. And I know, saw I saw a rumor today. I saw a rumor today that said Ian Cole's available and Vegas might want him. Why? Why would Vegas want Ian Cole? What are they? What are they? What? Is it yeah. is like is he just collecting him and putting him in his basement? Like what's he doing? Yeah. So there's still like you know, and you're kind of left sitting there going, so is this is this a plan coming together or is this just you wanted to go one direction and it didn't work and then somehow everything just falls into place? I don't know. I. Great for them. Great for the market. Uh, as we've seen over the years, if you're a new market in the NHL, it helps to to win. We're, and, and the other nice thing is that people like me, if if Vegas is is decent, that means we're allowed to to judge how the market is doing because we're constantly told, yes, you know, if the Florida Panthers or the Coyotes, no, we're not allowed to say anything because. They haven't is if if they're not winning, you can't criticize Amari. So it doesn't matter if Carolina's playing in front of like seven thousand people. Someone's like, oh well, yeah, but they haven't made the playoffs, so you can't judge. So I want to judge, damn it. That's <laughs> like eighty percent of my job is sitting on my couch and just passing judgment on on others. So yeah, I, I if if Vegas makes the playoffs, we can immediately start breaking down their uh their uh attendance, their attendance figures and stuff like that see how it's going but it from the sounds of it it's it's going well so far better than anyone thought so i, I, don't know, I do i do think there's there is something to that though in all sports where if your team sucks no one's gonna want to go watch it like baseball for instance like everyone you know they think of the yankees now as this great powerhouse team and all that but if you ever if you're ever watching a yankee game they'll have like some guy uh, like 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 Bob Guerin was a manager for a while and he was at Yankee stadium. It was like 2013 when the Yankees were, you know, awesome every year or whatever. And they were like, Bob Guerin hit his first home run as a major league baseball player right here in the stadium, or I guess the old Yankee stadium. And they show the clip of it and there's nobody there. Same thing with like Jim Tomey hit his first home run. Nobody there. And it's because the Yankees were bad for a very long time. And that's same thing in Baltimore with their baseball team. And so, I don't really begrudge any fans that don't want to pay a lot of money to go watch the Carolina Hurricanes lose 45 times in a season. I think that's that's a normal human reaction, but 
Well, I mean, you go, you go you back know, to go back to 2004 and the two most hopeless teams in terms of fan support and attendance and all that wasn't Carolina, wasn't Florida, wasn't Atlanta. It was Pittsburgh, who were mm-hmm. bankrupt and about to move, and it was Chicago, who were nearly dead last in attendance because everybody hated the owner. Uh, and and they were and they were bad and and they were terrible and you know yeah. all of that. So, but yeah, it's it's I, I know it's got to be frustrating for fans in those non traditional markets because up here in Canada we have this weird thing that we do where uh, you know if you point out that well the Panthers have been terrible for for basically two decades, you know when it when it is time to look down our noses at southern markets we play this card of, well, you know what, if, if the Montreal Canadiens were bad, their fans would still support them. You wouldn't see the Montreal arena be half empty. And yet the other half of the time we're like, you know why Montreal is good? It's because their fans don't, yeah, yeah. don't accept losing and their fans don't show. And it's like, well, wait a second. That's you just described the complete opposite, the uh, characteristic <laughs> of to the same fan base. I'm starting to feel like maybe you're not making a, genuine argument here and plus detroit detroit's an original six team and they they play in a big market and they've been good for a long time they're not that great now but i was i threw the devil's red wings game on the other day like there's there's empty seats all over the place in that market man like that's just and that's a new arena too so it's a new arena i mean no one was nobody was going to the old arena and that's like a different thing too with like the the economy there and everything but it's just you know I like I again I, I like to make jokes because jokes are funny but like I really don't care if your team packs in I grew up a Devils fan man like the Devils were winning Stanley Cups every other year and nobody was coming out to watch that team play this some markets just aren't good hockey markets and some markets have teams that aren't worth watching so you don't go and you know whatever don't take yeah. the jokes personally it's just fun it's it's fun saying that the Arizona Coyotes have six fans because well, and, it, it always yeah, it always makes one mad and there's a there's a very big difference between saying that a f- team's fan base isn't big enough versus taking shots at the fans that are in that fan base like i if there are diehard Coyotes fans out there. They're diehard Panthers fans. I hear from them anytime I, I say anything about those teams. And those those people are every bit the hockey fans that that me or you or somebody in Montreal or Chicago or wherever. They they, you know, it, it's it, they're they're right there on board. It's just that there's not enough of you. And right. you know, I'm right. I'm sorry. Like I don't, you know, they and, so people want to email uh, me, me and here's a picture of me and my friend and we've been going again. It's like, yeah, I know. You I know you're real, great, but there's like, there's like 50 empty seats behind you in this photo. So, you know, there, <laughs> go either talk some more people into joining you or just, I mean, you know, just that's just life, that. man. Like if you like, like people like the TV show freaks and geeks, but not enough of them did. And it was only <laughs> on for one season and it went away. Like that's just how stuff works. Yeah. Oh, no, and you know, the, the only the only reason that that anyone should care about markets not doing well is it's a few things. Number one is if there are other markets out there that want a team and could support a team better, then yeah, I think it is fair to to ask the question of does it make sense to keep sticking it out in in the, in a place where it's clearly not working. Uh, number two, we have to hear Gary Bettman talk about it, and anything that makes Gary Bettman talk oh, God. is by nature a bad thing. And then it it does come into play a little bit when we get around to lockout time and, and new CBA and suddenly 
the owners who have spent the last six years bragging about how much money they're making all realize that they're they're losing money and and things are terrible and there's not enough revenue and we got to shut the league down and you're kind of like really because you've got all these teams that seem to really be a drag on the overall economy of the game and if if this is something where we got to lose a season or half a season every few years to support these guys why don't we just put that right. team in quebec or where? i mean there's not a lot of great markets out there like that are sure things there there's nothing even in canada there's no market that's a sure thing uh so i don't know maybe maybe you just stick it out but yeah there there is a certain point where i do think some of these teams I don't know. Just give up. I mean, just give up. To me, to me, if you're if if your market can only support an NHL team, if that NHL team is winning the Stanley Cup, then it's not a very good market. Because as GMs like to remind us, do you know how many teams win the Stanley Cup every year, Dave? Oh God! I, you know what? I I tell you before every show, I'm I'm not good with the hockey trivia, but just fine. Embarrass me. Tell me how many teams? Generally speaking. Uh-huh. One team every year. In really? fact, if you if you're going to average it, the average number of Stanley Cup winners per year in NHL history is is actually mm-hmm. it's point nine nine. I was going to say it's less than one. <laughs> but you can round that up to one. <laughs> Only one team. I would. Uh... I, you know what I like? To, I like to see the league just for one year bring back the Challenge Cup, where like anybody could just. Like we would like anybody could just be like we want to play the Penguins for the cup, and just so that we wouldn't be able to hear GMs. I, I just want to see wait, some GM sitting there being like, you know, only 27 teams win the cup every year. So wait, what's the what's the challenge cup? I don't even know what that this is. Was back in the old days, before the Stanley, like in the earliest days of the Stanley Cup. So we're talking like the late 1800s, early 1900s. Anybody like your team had the Stanley Cup, my team could just challenge you for really? the Stanley Cup, and we would go oh, play a game awesome. or a series, and yeah, like we would, you know, we'd be playing like outdoors with a pine cone for a puck. Uh, and you know, I, my team would win. And that, so now we had the Stanley cup and it was, it was interesting. Yeah. So, and then so the the, wait, so, so, so the NHL, the NHL would play a season and like the Toronto rooftoppers or whatever would win the Stanley cup. And then like some point before the next season, like the Montreal grifters would be like, we're playing you for the cup. And they had to accept the challenge. Well, like was, was there rules this was before the NHL? So this was, this was when there was like this mishmash uh, of professional leagues, but even when the NHL was formed uh they they didn't the nhl didn't actually own the stanley cup at first at first there was the nhl and then there was an nhl champion and then you had to go and play somebody else for the stanley cup so they're actually it's not just the lockout there are i think i think there was only one year that the nhl champion didn't win the stanley cup and i think it was the montreal canadians in like the 20s but yeah like they they won the nhl but they didn't win the Stanley Cup because they had to go out to like Seattle and play, the, you know, somebody <laughs> from the Pacific League, and that was that was how you determined who who won the Stanley Cup. And then eventually the league brought the cup, you know, basically got the cup and made it just their own thing. But even then, for a long time, like technically, it was still a Challenge Cup. And every now and then, like some some dudes beer league would be like, "Let's go challenge the the Bruins for the cup," and the NHL would have to swat it down and, and during during the lockout there was like a a, a legal case up here in canada because some like like some guy it was like i don't know if it was a beer league but it wasn't much higher than that 
We're like, we should get to play for the Stanley Cup because the NHL isn't using it. And it's the Stanley Cup is technically not the NHL's property. It was a gift from the, you know, the Governor General of Canada and all this stuff. And they, I mean, it was more of a stunt than anything, but they, they actually so, support and were like, we want to, like, how great would that be? Like, you know, you sh- you're sitting there waiting for your, like, your Sunday night rec league game. And you're like, oh, Dave's late, man, that guy. And then suddenly you pull up and like, what's he getting out of the trunk of his car? And what's that big bus behind his car with the big B on it? What does that yeah. mean? Is, is, are they? Is, you is guys, that, you, oh, is that Cam Neely? You win the game and, you know, it's next, you're drinking beers in the dressing room and your buddy's like carving your names into the cup with a screwdriver. <laughs> so that's God, been, today, I really want that. That has been today's history lesson about the, and, and just speaking of history. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Are are you finding it weird how the NHL is handling the 100th anniversary thing? Because Uh, they're... I haven't paid attention, to be honest. They've been doing it all year, right? We had the the 100 greatest players. We had, you know, also like, so they are... They're doing the big sell on the history. They they just they're they're, they're doing their greatest play ever tournament. Uh, it's it's all stuff from like 2010 until now, right? Like there's nothing. Actually, there were no, no good they, plays they, in like 1933. Well, I mean, it's going to be Bobby Orr. It's going to be the Bobby Orr goal. We we kind of figured that from from the beginning, and it was a little bit weird because it was like it was moments, but some of them weren't really mo- like plays. Yeah, like, plays. You know, like yeah, somebody scoring. 50 goals in 50 you're like well that's not a moment that took <laughs> that was like 50 that was actually 50 moments if we're being technical but so they're doing this and, and you know it's been good and they're doing like they're they've got uh an outdoor game coming up in ottawa and 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 all this other stuff so you know they they have been pushing the history angle uh all all year long but like did did you do you know what's this past sunday was um, only, be- only because you told me, yeah, was the actual hundredth anniversary of the NHL. Like Sunday was the day that was the the one hundredth year anniversary of the founding of the NHL. Well, the NHL doesn't want to compete with the Grey Cup, so <laughs> apparently, have, but it was just no... it just like slipped through. In fact, the weekend before they had done like this special centennial weekend that that wasn't really, and yet the day just kind of comes and goes. Other and like if you're if you're really looking for key dates, the next one would be in December because the the NHL was founded in November, like formed and and officially became a thing. And they played the first games in mid December, and I, I want to say it's like December seventeenth, which is like a Tuesday. And they're not doing anything. There's no, there's like not even an original six game on the on the schedule. It's just like the most. Typical boring Tuesday night. Like I'm, I'm guessing they'll, you know, they'll they'll mention it before the games, but they're like 
They're not. That's weird. They're not like, you know, the Ottawa Montreal outdoor game is not on that. I mean, I guess they didn't want to do it on a Tuesday night, but uh, yeah, it's just kind of, kind of strange. Like they spent all year, like it's our birthday. It's, and then the birthday comes and it's like, yeah. I feel like I feel like the NHL is is like a twenty four year old, and they're just having like a birthday celebration that's going on way too fucking long. Like <laughs> your like your birthday is one day. Yeah. It's not your birthday week. It's not your birthday month. Because last year they did the NHL one hundred. Last year it was the hundredth and Now we're still doing it. Like I still have to buy you gifts. Like really? oh god, I, I thought I got you a book last year. I, I don't want to. I don't want to do this again. Still, yeah. when does it? So so is is it just? Are they just doing it where like the idea is like it's the back half of last year and the first half of this year? Is that what they're I doing? Think they, I, I think it was kind of like a night. It was like a 2017 thing. And then, or are they celebrating it twice because they lost a season and now it's well, like then, the yeah. 100th Then next year again. we get to have the 100th season and everyone's going to be like, wait a second. <laughs> uh, wait. And uh, then you got so like, annoying. yeah. And then you got like the Maple Leafs who, because they kept changing their name for their first 10 years, they get to have like three or four hundred year <laughs> celebrations. Like, it's like it's our hundredth year, and then two years from now, it's going to be again, and then it'll be a hundred years of being the Maple Leafs. And you're going to be like, wait a second, I've again, I've, I've bought this commemorative poster <laughs> already. It's weird because like the NHL, like of all the things they they do wrong, they usually hype up their original six and their history and anniversaries. It is weird that like they're not doing anything on specific dates where yeah. they could just make up. I, stuff, I thought but... they would have done at least original six games, which you know that that. Uh, on its own is weird because you've got this league celebrating its hundred year history, but every other moment up until now, the league kind of just starts the history clock 75 years ago with the original six. And we sort of forget all about like the fact that there were like the St. Louis Eagles and the Philadelphia Quakers and all of these teams <laughs> that are like, Oh no, original Orig- Toronto arenas. That's my favorite one. The arenas. The, the, the first ever NHL championship was won by a Toronto team that didn't even have a name. Toronto. They were just the Toronto Hockey Club, and then they just retroactively called them the the arenas because that's that's how that's how you named a team back then. It's there was no fan contests or focus groups. It was just like, what should we call those guys standing over in that arena? Hey, I got it. You got it. The are- You're the done. Arena. I, I, I pronounce it like Arenas, like Gilbert Arenas. They're the Toronto Arenas. It's named yes. after Gilbert Arenas, time traveler. Um, we, we're like halfway through, so we've we've rambled on for a while. And I, I really wanted to do this because this is like a Dave and Sean fix that's retroactive because I think we did fix it and no one's giving us credit. But right now in the NHL, we are seeing the most goals per game since... 2005-6. Let me give you some numbers. 6.02 goals per game, which is about a half, a little bit more than a half a goal more per game the last few years. Why is that happening is the question. We're seeing way more power play chances, way more power play goals. I think that's a big part of it because they're calling slashing, which is a weird thing to kind of compliment the NHL on, which is congratulations on doing your job. But I think part of it, too, has to do with expansion. And because every time... Like I've I've written about this in dribs and drabs because that's what I do. I don't actually take the time to write one good thing. I write six mediocre things. Whenever there's expansion, the year after expansion, almost every time, like the, the scoring may not necessarily go up overall, but usually star players have crazy seasons. And I mean, crazy now is is kind of relative, but 
between 2010, uh, 10, 11, and last year, there were a total of 500 point seasons. Nobody got above 109. And so far this year, seven players are on pace for more than 100 points. And if just five of them get there in one season, we'll have the same amount of 100 point guys as we did the previous seven seasons. And do you think it's sustainable? Why do you think it happened? I I, I thought it was sustainable, but now I'm starting to think maybe it's not. Yeah. I think at some point it'll regress, but it's kind of great. Yeah, well, it is. It's it is great. And and you know, you mentioned the expansion take. It drives me crazy when the league talks about expansion, or and and somebody out there will be like, "Well, it's it's diluting the talent pool, and that makes it get no di- dilute away. That makes the NHL <laughs> right. much better." The NHL was never more fun than in the 70s and 80s when the NHL went from six teams in 1967 to 21 in, in 12 years. Plus you had the WHA for a, a period of time that was that was taking all the players. And, uh, it, you know, it all this expansion and all this. And, and yeah, I mean, so half the goalies in the league could barely stand up and half the defensemen couldn't skate backwards. And it was awesome. Like that's why Wayne. Gr- I mean, Wayne Gretzky would have been great in any era, but that's how you get Wayne Gretzky scoring two hundred points a year mm-hmm. uh, because he's getting to play against these guys. So, yeah, whenever people are, you know, whenever someone's like, they should contract a bunch of teams, go back to a twenty-team league, and then, yeah, and then every team will just be stacked with people who know what they're doing. Uh, and and maybe that is, maybe that's part of it right now because I'm like you, I can't figure out why scoring is up. And in fact, I, I pretty much dismissed it for the first few weeks of the season. Cause it's pretty typical that when the season starts, you get, uh, right. you get, you get, you get this boost and the, right. you know, and the league is all excited and, you know, well, scoring's up and two weeks later it's, it's right back where it's, it's always been. And that doesn't seem to be happening right now. And the the theory that people seem to be circling around is is like you say it's that the slashing rule which is is strange because I, I you know I never I I remember when they passed that I never saw that being sold as something that was going to increase scoring it, it was sold as like a safety thing and you know hey let's not have guys getting their their fingers hacked off uh, just because it's become a standard defensive play to be allowed to do that. Yeah, the the thinking seems to be that it's given, especially the star players, so much more room and and so much more ability to do what they do, uh, and that that's why you're seeing not just more goals scored, but but bigger numbers from kind of the the elite guys or or the 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 first line guys, uh, and you know, I guess that makes sense. Uh, the the thing to me is if if that's what's going on, I, we shouldn't expect this to to necessarily last and be a a permanent change because while the slashing might not come back, defensemen will adjust. If if you've been a defenseman in this league for ten years and you've been allowed to slash guys on the hand all along, then yeah, it's you suddenly you can't do that. There's going to be an adjustment period, but I do think coaches will figure it out and defensive players will figure it out, and we'll we'll probably see it come back down. Um. I, the the theory that I like or that I hope is is correct is that it's it's more to do with kind of the the influx of young talent into the league that not just the fact that you've got 
the McDavid's and Matthews and Eichel's and and all of these guys and and more talented young players than 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 we've seen in a while. But that also, as the league gets younger, partly because of the emphasis on speed, partly because of the salary cap, where the only the only really good value you can get on a contract these days is entry level deals. So you you try to stack your roster with as many young guys as you can, and young guys make mistakes, and mistakes is what translates into entertaining high scoring hockey when everyone knows what they're doing hockey is a 2-1 dull horrible game um which is why scoring goes down as the playoffs go on and it's why you know coaches are terrible and 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 all of this stuff and so and and it's also why if you ever get a chance to watch junior hockey like you'll be blown you'll remember what hockey used to be because you see got you know it's five four games and guys are out of position and they they blow their assignments and 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 the puck winds up in the net so you know maybe we're seeing a little bit more of that and if that's the case that would be a little bit more of a of a long-term thing i would think because that i i think the the trend towards younger players is one that's not going to necessarily change um but if it's yeah if it's just the slashing thing uh, i don't I don't know. I, I if it's the slashing thing, they have to keep calling it. If they stop calling, they have to keep calling. But even then, like yeah. guys will find something else. You know, it's it's not like these defensive defensemen are suddenly going to be like, well, I can't slash anymore. I I I guess I better try to skate with Connor McDavid. Like they'll they'll find something else, uh, some some other way to 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 cheat it a little bit, uh, or or they will be replaced by guys who can can skate can, can yeah. find a way to do it but uh and, and you know the other thing to keep in mind is like you know it the scoring is up and it's and you know full credit to the league for that it's not up that much you know it's like half a goal a game like we we could we could get this a lot higher and and i mean look how much fun it is now with just you know barely half a half a goal a game you're already seeing guys like oh this guy might get 100 points this guy might get 110 or 20 you know, there might be 50 goal scores Imagine if we got it up to six and a half or seven goals a game. I mean, that then now you're really, you know, and it, and it always, it always gets me whenever, because whenever we complain and, and I've certainly been banging the drum on low scoring for years and years now, and you always hear from the people and we've talked about them that, you know, they love that zero zero game and they, Oh, this is just so fantastic to when uh, low scoring the worst, the worst people say that. And yet it's always when the worst scoring people. goes up, nobody complains. Like, have you no. seen anybody be like, "Oh, these another six to five game"? I oh, this is terrible. I really miss those <laughs> two one games where the shots were eighteen sixteen, and there's yeah, five. Jamie Ben. Jamie Ben loves a two one game for some reason. Oh yeah, guy guy who's top two scorer in the league I wants sure less hope, scoring. I sure hope Jamie's okay in this difficult uh, time. But yeah, it's you know this is this is you know scoring is fun. Good. Let's let's have some more of it. Even I don't know. I, my my secret hope is that it's going to be like, like, you know, whenever baseball has like a scoring spike and everyone tries to figure out what's going on. And then they like figure out that they, they did something to the baseballs. Like I've been saying for years, they should make the nets bigger. I I'm secretly hoping that they just like secretly made all the nets like half an inch bigger and just didn't tell tell anybody. Nobody's like literally nobody's even noticed. And they're just going to do a half. Like at some point, Gary Bettman was like, this is stupid. 
we need to make, why don't we just make the nets bigger? And Bill Daly was like, yeah, but Gary, hockey fans are giant babies and they're all going to complain. If we do two just inches, do just do it. And Gary's like, you know what? Do a half inch for the next four years. And if anybody notices, we'll, we'll stop. And they've just done that. And nobody has noticed, not the goalies, not the players, not the, certainly not the fans sitting in the stands. And, See, and but, this is, but, they're but, just like, going to do this. We kind of blew it right now because you know that like Craig Anderson's listening to this and he's going to go out to his net before practice after he hears this with a tape measure and yeah. just be like, oh, no. And then the goalie guild gets together oh, and then the like Kay Whitmore calls and they just. See, that's, you know, they, that's why I know this theory isn't true because if I know anything from goaltenders, they would have noticed that half inch because their precious angles and their precious <laughs> muscle. Every time I say to make the nets bigger, I hear from some goalie who's like, you don't understand. We've been trained to these specific dimensions and our angles. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, retrain, you're, retrain your body. Like, idiot. dude, you're, you're selling me on this. This is, yeah, this is why we want, like, we want to make it harder for you. I don't like the fact that you can go out there blindfolded and still stop, you know, 90% yeah. of the shots because you know exactly where to be at any moment. Yeah. Some goalie, they, if they ever did that, the some goalie would go out and do their little like post tapping ritual and be like, wait a second. Hang on here. Lefty here didn't uh, seem. He seems a little distant. What's wrong? Like, like the net, the net and goalies. Like, I, 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 I just torture myself for no reason. But like, Carey Price on uh, Monday night made like this this lunging left leg save on somebody. I forget who it was. Might have been Nick Foligno, some Columbus guy. And everyone was like, "Wow, Carey Price is back!" And like, I go back and I watch the replay, and I'm like, eh, "This guy kind of just shot the puck into Carey Price. Like, he hit him like in the in the yeah. upper thigh. He didn't like extend and get it with his skate." Like, ninety percent eh. of great saves are a goalie You're right. a, being out of position and B then having the puck shot directly, either like directly into his glove or directly yeah. into and. But we just kind of go with it because. Yeah, I don't. I don't tweet it anymore. I think Justin Bourne did it once, and everybody yelled at him. I'm like, I don't want. I don't want to deal with this. I, it's whatever. Great save. If you enjoyed it, you enjoyed it. That's fine. Yeah, it, it's you know, great saves were like back in 1983 when a goalie had no idea where to stand. Yeah, was was using all of his physical energy just to remain upright, and like suddenly someone would take a slap shot, and he would just have to throw his arm out and snag it like it was a line drive. That that was that was a save. And, you know, now these days, it's like, if I stand right here, the puck will hit me directly in my chest and somehow stick to me. Like Lundqvist, Lundqvist made a save in the shootout, I think, the other day against Vancouver. Maybe it was in regulation and it was like a glove save. And like, it was a great, it was like, oh, no, maybe it was Markstrom. Somebody made a save and like they windmilled after it, after they caught it. And you go back and watch the replay and like the puck just gets shot in there. It's a good yeah. positional save. It's great. You're in the right spot and that's, that's commendable. But then it's just like, well, I mean. Yeah, but I love back that. The, back, back. I, I, lo- I miss the old windmills where like, yeah, it's like yeah. your arm wasn't moving like that. And it's like, yeah, but I'm just going to try to make a highlight reel here. But yeah, that's that's what you did back when you there were seven goals scored on every goalie and they only made four saves a night. You had to, <laughs> you had to enjoy it while you could. And if you caught a if you caught a slap shot with a child's baseball glove, you deserve to pose it and show it to everybody. Yeah, and and didn't fall over in the process. You want you want to you want to do the mailbag now because we we kind of abandoned it last week yeah. and the people were they were upset with us. I mean, I don't know if they yes. were upset. With so us. let's check the are. mailbag, uh, especially anyone using the new Twitter Vice Biscuits, all one word, no no underscore. We're not one of those Twitter accounts with an underscore trying to make you no. figure out who we are. 
if you're if you're someone who follows Dave and I on Twitter already, and you're like, I just wish I could see more <laughs> links to the podcast come out. <laughs> I just feel bad because like I'll tweet the link out, and then like four minutes later, I have six tweets above it about stupid stuff that nobody cares about, and the link gets buried. This way, there's a little location. You go there, you see the link, and you click on it, and it's better for everybody. Mike Morton, this is a good question. This could be this could become our thing. He says, "Do the imagine you can rip up Carey Price contract extension game, but do it with Brent Burns. If someone comes into your office and finds the Brent Burns loophole, do you abandon that contract?" I, I say no. I think he'll be, I think he'll be effective long enough. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Burns, it's close. Burns actually, like his contract has started, but yeah, he's he's off to a to a rough start. Yeah, he scored the other day. He scored the other night. Yeah, first, not only first goal, but was it? Didn't someone say it was like his first primary point at five on five? Like he's really been off. Um, oh, I didn't good, realize it was good, that bad. I thought, I thought he was playing that. well. Besides that, he's not. He's, he, he's, I thought he was playing. Doing... Well, but I mean, the, just the offensive side has not been, which is which is what you're you're paying him for. Yeah, I don't I don't know that I'd rip that up, but uh, I I'd be thinking. I I mean, I would be a lot more. I'd be ripping up a lot more deals if than I think most GMs would. But I've, I, you know, I've said this before. I would, if I was a GM, I would try to get away with like, you know, when teams just come up with like BS team policies that nobody ever questions. I'd be like, our, it's our team policy that we don't do contracts longer than five years, and just, yeah. and I would make that my policy. And three years later, I'd have no players left because everyone would be playing, right. playing for the Rangers, and I'd be fine. You'd be Brian Burke. I would be. Yeah, I don't. I don't do. I don't do contracts on July first at Christmas. I just. Yeah, I. I have, I have different rules. Um, Kelly H I N X on Twitter. This is a good question because we were going to do this and then we didn't get around to it. But he, she says, "How many games a losing streak have to stretch before a coach loses his job?" In other words, how long much flyer? How much longer must Flyers fans suffer? Yeah, yeah I, don't, I. I hate. I hate. I hate Dave Axtell. I've. I've been on Dave Axtell stinks for. A year plus. So. I don't think Flyer fans are going to have to wait much longer than this because it's they're up to eight, eight straight losses, which, by the way, you would not know if you went to the NHL standings page. Because I know this, it's so dumb. As as much as we like, there are big reasons to hate the loser point, but like a minor one is it lets the NHL have like these fake losing streaks that aren't really, you know, like the Senators have lost six straight, but they're not listed as six straight losses so if you look at the standings you're like look at all these big win streaks and oh nobody's had a big losing streak what a nice (laughs) nice league full of winners yeah philadelphia right now has the dreaded ot3 streak which is not a thing but they've yeah they've they've lost three straight after regulation Uh, i don't i think in that particular case i think dave axel was probably already on somewhat shaky ground to start with so uh and i i most coaches, you get to eight straight, you get to double digits. I think you're in, you're in big trouble. That would actually be a really good scale, like to measure job security of coaches. Like, what is their consecutive game? Like, how many games in a row could you lose before you got fired? Like, I feel oh, like, like I feel like Mike coach? Babcock could lose like thirty games straight and still be okay. Whereas there like are if Dave Hoxall loses one more, he's out on his ass. Yeah, I, I think like you yeah. know there are other coaches where like three games in a row and you're you're done 
My, 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 like, I think it's hard to, as an outsider, to figure out who the good and bad coaches are. But for me, whenever I see a coach who just constantly grinds on the really, really good, super young players all the time and scratches them and does like stuff like that with Costas Bear and Nolan Patrick, I mean, maybe Nolan Patrick's a little different because he just got here, but. You know, it just it just seems like if that's the if that's the main go to tool in your bag, you're probably not a good coach for 2017, 18 because young players are the ones driving everything. Yeah. You have to make it work, and he seems like and he's a college coach, well, which is weird thing. too. Yeah, you'd think he'd he'd be, but maybe not, right? I mean, I guess in college you treat the guys a certain way, uh, whereas when they're coming in, they're like, yeah, I make more money than you, so how about <laughs> how about you don't. Uh, how about you don't get get in my face? Yeah, I mean, if 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 we're talking about a guy with a long track record and a resume in the NHL level of of winning, then that buys you more time and more benefit of the doubt. But uh, yeah, like I, I've, the Flyers are we've we've been so and and I don't know, maybe this is a Canadian thing, but we've been so focused on Montreal and Edmonton as the big disappointments early on. Philadelphia, man, like that, this, this is not where this season was supposed to go. And I don't, if, I don't know if Dave Axel's a problem or not, but I, yeah, if you're a Flyers fan hoping for a change, I, I'm, I expect you don't have to wait all that long. Daryl Sutter will be in there before the year is over. Matt McKee at try underscore rebooting wants to know, what current goaltenders could give us a fight equal to Patrick Waugh versus Mike Vernon? I have thought about this one, and I don't know if I have the second goalie. The first goalie is without a doubt Jonathan Quick because he's a lunatic. He will okay. he will get bumped. He, he will get bumped, and then he'll swing his stick to hit the post, and then like he'll hit a forward, and then they'll jump on him, and then the goalie from the other end that comes down the ice is. I don't know. I don't know who the second goalie is. It's got to be like uh, Luongo, maybe, because he's kind of, you know, he's a butterfly Luongo older guy. Is, Luongo isn't much of a fighter. I, I mean, Jonathan uh, Bernier kind of went nuts in that Sabres Leafs preseason brawl. You remember that one? The the John yeah. Scott, Phil Kessel, and then right. it was over. And then suddenly you just kind of see Bernier skating by at the bottom of your screen. You're like, where's he going? And then he's trying to fight Ryan Miller. Uh, man, I don't That's a good. That's a good question because you want a good combo. Like, you know, as as much as like we try to think of two crazy goalies, but like the best goalie fight is one crazy goalie and one goalie who you didn't really think could fight. Like that was kind of what we got with Vernon and and like we always knew that Waugh was a nutcase. Yeah. Wasn't. And then the ultimate was, you know, Ron Hextel, Felix Potvin, where, you know, Hextel was probably the scariest goalie who ever lived, and then you you see him going after like Felix Potvin, it was like watching like an alligator stalk a kitten. And then suddenly, <laughs> you know, 30 seconds later, Bron Hexel's busted open and leaking all over the ice. And you're just like, what did I just see? So I don't know. Yeah, you don't know. You don't know with goalies because like, you know, if you fight Chris Neal or whoever, you know, that guy can throw punches. Yeah. Like think about, think about the last two goalie fights that I think we've had where Ray Emery just wailing on Braden Holpe, Ray Emery who boxes in his yeah. free time. And Brent Johnson, maybe was that the most recent one where he broke Rick DiPietro's face? Like Brent Johnson's a tough dude. Yeah, that's I, one, I, I like, feel like I feel like nobody knew until that moment. They were those like, backup oh. goalies. You, yeah, you never know what you're going to get with them. Man, I'm, I'm trying to think on this. Who? Yeah, I, I like quick. You know, Tukarask is is kind of nuts, but I don't know if that would translate. Yeah, I don't feel I don't uh, feel to, him being the guy that would do it. Goalie fights. Um, 
Price, no, I mean Price had one where so and and he just wasn't interested at all. Like he's he's kind of like no. Nah. Like it was him and Tim Thomas, right? They just kind of like were like, hey, what's yeah, up? Yeah, it was. Yeah, they just sort of got there and were like, this isn't this this isn't uh, we don't need this. I yeah, I don't know. But Bros, the, the Europeans can sometimes surprise you, go a little nuts. But I don't know. I'm, I might have to think on that and circle back we'll come back we'll come back next week let's do one more question and let's get everybody out of here we've 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 talked we've talked a lot let's let's do this last one from f muff i don't know if that's supposed to be sexual or not but whatever f m u f f wants to know who should be next houston or seattle where where would you put a team next what do you what, as as a canadian who who knows the american territories as well as you do yeah houston or seattle i i mean I'm like everyone. I assumed it was going to be Seattle all this time. And then uh, suddenly Houston sort of shows up. I mean, it's wherever you can get an arena and, and good ownership. I, I think both of those are good markets. Houston's a bigger market. I don't know. Having two teams in Texas is feels like a bit of a stretch, but I, I feel like either one of those would have an equal chance to work, which is to say, you get the good arena, good ownership, decent team. Uh, I, I think you got a shot at it. The argument against Seattle seems to be that they already have a ton of sports teams, which I think is weird because isn't that a sign that you're a good sports town where you support yeah, the MLS and baseball and football and I don't know. Yeah. And, and, you know, do they, how much of that market is, is sort of, now the one thing to be interesting is, is a lot of the Seattle sports, I think get support from, from up in Vancouver. Like a lot of people go down for baseball and, and maybe basketball. So I wonder if that would, would change things, but yeah, let's, let's just get one in there, get the league up to 32 teams, get the conferences even, and then we can start actually moving some teams if we need to. Cause right now it's like, you know, like they're not going to let anybody move if it's potentially taking away a, an expansion city, that's going to pay 500 million just to get in the door. Yeah. We, we, we could split the fee if you want, if you want to do it. I know I have that laying around. It's up to you. I'd have to, yeah, I'll, I'll have to, I haven't sent my invoices out this month, but I'll get back to you. <laughs> All right. Well, that, that that's the show. That's the podcast. I want to thank my producer, Montreal Canadiens fan and Carey Price enthusiast, Marina Kozlock. Thank you to the listeners for sending in the questions and thank you to us for actually answering them this time. Go to Vice Biscuits on Twitter and seriously, like if, if you if you want to follow the, 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 the podcast and you don't want to be bogged down with all the other stuff we're doing, you just go there. We'll, we'll hit you with the links and all the stuff with questions and stuff like that. Go to iTunes. Give us five stars. I, I don't know if that helps the rating or not. I think it does. I don't know how they do it. It makes no sense. But um, thanks for the support and all that. Yeah, thanks, everybody. And uh, we'll be back uh, next week. Uh, same time, same day. We'll talk then. Mm-hmm. See ya. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 